but the words will appear on the screen. And reading from verses 1 to 10, then I'll pray for Luke and we'll go from there. It's entitled, Doing Good to All. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instructions in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. For the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have this opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Luke, come on up. I'll pray for you and then over to you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us today. We pray for ourselves, whether at home or whether sat in this cold building this morning, that your spirit would help us be attentive to you, to what you have to say to us, to encourage us as a family to do good to all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Morning to those online as well. I think there was a little bit of an interruption if you're watching online shortly. Hope you found the stream again. It's great to be able to join with you this morning in a cold building, as it has already been said. And I'm impressed that there are some people in here this morning who are sitting here without coats on. There are some people even in shorts. You're doing a really good job. Hopefully, it will keep you awake, if nothing else. It's part of our new COVID procedures. We know that COVID is this airborne disease, so we thought it'd be helpful if you could see the particles in front of you as you breathed out so you could dodge them as you went around the building. But in all seriousness, our boiler has finally given up on us and we have spent a lot of money trying to repair it and it's come to the point where we need a new one. So we're waiting probably on about a two-week lead time. So in the next couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to continue wrapping up warm as you come along to church because for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be cold. But after that, we'll have it on full blast and we'll have a party when we're warm again. I'm going to pray again as we start this particular passage together and uh, let's ask the Holy Spirit to really speak to us and to guide us today. Father God, I do pray that as we come to this particular passage of Scripture and as we begin to think about some of these really important topics over the course of the next few weeks, that, uh, Lord Jesus, we will just hear your voice speaking and guiding us and edifying us and challenging us where we need to be challenged to. Have your way, King Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're at the beginning of another new year 
And New Year, it's generally a time, isn't it, which is filled with hope and anticipation and excitement for what is to come. We all do it to some degree or another, and we make decisions about what this new year is going to be like. We start to set ourselves goals and targets and all of those kind of things. And it generally brings about a feeling in all of us, doesn't it, at least for the first week of January or so, that this next year is going to be better than the last year. This is going to be a good year. I wonder how you're feeling at the beginning of 2022. As I said last week on our live stream, this time last year, we were full of excitement for what 2021 was going to bring. 2020 had been such a hard year that we were hoping and anticipating a bright year to come in 2021. And in many respects, that was the message all around us too, wasn't it? Build back better said the government at the time. We spent some time looking at that famous book about building in the Bible, the book of Nehemiah, in the hope that we would be going full steam ahead again and getting involved in everything God had for us that year, except it didn't really feel like that happened, did it, in many ways? In many ways, 2021 felt a lot harder than 2020. And what happened in the lives of all of us is we began to evaluate our own situations and our own circumstances. And either consciously or subconsciously, we, I think, said to ourselves, you know what, I can't change the situations and the circumstances which are around me. I can't really do anything about COVID, but I'm going to look at my own life and I'm going to evaluate it and change some things in my own life. And for some, that meant saying, right, it's time for me to change my church fellowship. Life is tough, church is tough, life is hard, church is hard. I can't do much about the life situation, but maybe changing church fellowship might help me out for this coming year. And we've seen that play out here, haven't we, to a certain extent. We have seen a relatively significant number of people move on in 2021, but we've also seen a relatively significant number of people come and join us. And believe me, I am not knocking anyone who has decided to move on or decided to join us. People move on for many, many deeply personal reasons. And I want you to know today, if you are here and you're considering Hope Baptist Church to be your church fellowship and you are looking for a family where you can truly belong, I want to say we're so glad that you're here and we want to encourage you to look at this place and see if God is calling you here for this time. But it's interesting, isn't it? I speak to many, many pastors in my role, many local pastors and many further afield too. And I think what I have found interesting is that the patterns that we have seen emerge here as a congregation over this time with maybe a significant amount of movement both away and to the church has really been a pattern that a lot of churches have been experiencing over the last 12 months. And you know, I believe that one of the key messages God wants to give to his church in this year is simply this. 2022 is a time to get rooted. It's a time to make a decision where God is calling you to put 
down your roots in order that you will be a part, a genuine part of the body of Christ. It might feel like a bit of a struggle to you right now. You might not really feel like committing to a church family right now, but one of the ways that God is glorified is that when his people, despite the circumstances and the situations and the hardships that they face, reflect something of the goodness and the greatness of God and his character by walking together in unity, despite the difficulties of the journey. And with that in mind, as Zoe has mentioned already this morning, over the course of the next couple of months, we are going to be looking at this series called Family Matters, focusing together what it genuinely means to be a church family. We're going to be looking at what it means to really love one another. We're going to be looking at what it means to really care for one another. We're going to be looking at what it means when conflicts arise with one another. We're going to look at how we can support one another. We're going to look at how we as Christians can disagree well. Christians are not very good at disagreeing well, are they? We're going to look at what the Bible teaches us about doing that, as well as many, many other subjects. And with that in mind... I want us to start off and kick off this series together today by simply asking the question, why does the church family matter? Family brings up all kinds of connotations for us, doesn't it? The word family. For some, Christmas was the best time of the year because hopefully, COVID permitting, you were able to spend really good, significant time with your nearest and dearest. And when you hear the term family, it brings up all kinds of positive emotions for you. Feelings of love, feelings of warmth, feelings of acceptance, feelings of a place to belong. If that is you, let me tell you today, you are blessed beyond measure. Because for many people, the term family means pain, it means heartache, it means rejection, it means separation. You've only got to look at some of the horror stories that we've seen on our news over the course of the past couple of months where babies, tiny children, defenseless children have lost their lives at the hands of the people that should have cared for them the most. And when it comes to the church family, similar emotions come up for us, don't they? For some, maybe even in this room or watching online today, church has always been an incredibly positive experience for you. A place of love, a place of warmth, obviously not literally at the moment, but metaphorically, a place to truly call home. But for others, church has been a place of immense pain, seeming rejection, and sometimes, let's be honest, blatant hypocrisy. And my hope is that as we go deeper into this sermon series together, that for some people, it will be a series of hope and it will be a series of healing. For others, it will be an exhortation to keep on keeping on. And in the passage that we have read together today, what we effectively see Paul doing is expanding on his teachings from Galatians chapter 5, where he focuses on freedom in Christ and what it means to have life in the Spirit. And what he's getting at here is that Christians who live by the Spirit of God have a duty and they have an exhortation to treat one another well in the strength of his power. And he starts off this passage that we've read together today by showing us that if a brother or sister in Christ sins, then as Christians, it's not our responsibility to turn away and ignore that sin. As Christians, we should be people who act in love and get alongside them and step in and help restore those who have fallen. 
And then he goes on to give a number of other lessons which are drawn out in this passage. But where I really want us to focus our time together this morning is in verses 9 and 10, which say this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who are in the household of believers. Paul encourages all those who walk by the Spirit to do good, to not give up, to not get tired, because there is a time which is coming where you will reap the harvest for your good deeds and your good efforts and the things that you are doing. But what I find especially fascinating about this particular passage is the word especially. Paul says, do good to all, but especially those in the household of believers. Why? Especially. Surely, if we believe the gospel to be true, our sole focus should be on those outside the church. We have all kinds of buzzwords, don't we? Church without walls. We need to get out of the box and all these kind of things. Because after all, if the gospel is to be believed, that those who die apart from Christ will spend eternity apart from Christ. Surely Paul has got his words a little bit muddled up here. Surely what Paul is meaning is do good to all, but remember those in the household of believers, right? I want to tell you that I believe that Paul's got his assumptions absolutely right here. We are, as the church of Jesus Christ, to do good to all. That is a gospel imperative. We are called to show the love and the grace and the mercy of God to every person that we come into contact with, both in word and in deeds. But in doing so, we are called to pay a special attention to those who are in the household of faith, the church. Why? Because how we treat one another is a sign of our faith. John chapter 13, 35 says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 1 John 2 verse 9 says this, whoever says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. So it suggests to us that really the way that we treat one another, the way that we honour one another, the way that we walk with one another is in fact proof of our salvation. You see, our problem is that we often put evangelism and care into two separate boxes. And what happens when we do this is that we unwittingly create divisions among us between those who think our priorities should be out there and reaching the lost and those who think our priorities should be actually looking after those who are in the household of believers and caring for one another. And what happens when we create those divisions is we begin to prioritize what is really important for us to do. We start to say things like, well, once we've got everything right within these four walls, once we've really started to care for one another, once we are doing things as we should be and building one another up, then we can go into the community and then we can tell people about God and tell people how he has changed the world. You know, I've been a Christian for over 20 years now and I've been part of several churches in that time, but I've never been part of a church 
which has got to the point where it's got all of its ducks in a row and it says, right, we've, we've done the inside stuff now. We've got things right here. We're all right now. We're built up enough. Now we can go out and into the community to tell people about Jesus. The thing is, the church as a nuclear family is messy. And what I believe that Paul is getting at here is that pastoral care and mission go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. You can't have one without the other. One is not more important than the other. They are both intertwined and intermingled. Because when the family of believers cares for one another, and I mean really cares for one another, when the family of believers embrace our messiness and our differences, but we love each other anyway, when the family of believers don't run from their problems but embrace the problems together, it speaks to a dying and hurting world that, where family can mean pain, heartache, rejection and separation. That there is a family that they can be a part of and they can be involved in and there is a father who loves them so much and they can find their place of hope, healing and acceptance. Church, as we start this new year together, I want you to hear this today. Family matters. You matter. You matter as part of this family. I need you. You need me. We need each other. So what does this then look like in practice? Well, I want to give a few pointers this morning about some of the practical ways that we can do good to all, but especially those in the household of believers, that our faith and our evangelism might be enhanced by the way that we treat one another. The first thing that I want us to see today is that doing good to all, but especially those in the household of believers, means walking with each other. Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 says this, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We are to continue to walk in him. The Bible uses an analogy of walking on several different occasions. We're called to walk in light, we're called to walk in love, we're called to walk in obedience, we're called to walk in the Holy Spirit, we're called to walk as Jesus walked. And I believe the Bible uses this analogy of walking on several different occasions to show us that our Christian journey is not meant to be a static thing. It was never meant to be this kind of, I'll pray a one-time prayer and then ride it on out into heaven. We are to be a people who are constantly learning and constantly growing and constantly walking with one another. And here is the thing. If our walk in Christ is to be effective, it has to be done with others. As I've said before, in the past, I've done several long-distance running events. I really do enjoy running. I tend to stick to a gym at the moment because it's a lot warmer. But actually being active is something which is really important to me. But what I've noticed when I've done things like this is that when I do it on my own, I can go a certain distance. But when I'm running with others, I can go so much further. Sometimes I don't even realise it, but by, just by having someone alongside me, encouraging me, pushing me where I need to be pushed, 
being there and talking to me along the way, it makes me forget about that niggling voice in the back of my head which says, it's time to give up now, Luke. You've done enough for today. You can go home and have a Mars bar. Have a rest, Luke. Give up. And you know, what's true of our physical bodies is absolutely true of the church too. The Christian life was never meant to be a life which is lived in isolation. In fact, I go as far as saying it's impossible to live the Christian life in isolation. And I want to take a moment to speak directly to people maybe who have become isolated in these last couple of years from their church family. I want to say to you, we love you. We miss you. We want you to be part of the family and take the opportunity this year to get plugged in once again. Even if you don't feel confident coming into a building yet, there are ways that you can still be part of the family and still be plugged in. By choosing to stay isolated, you are only hurting yourself. Church, if this year we are going to be a people who focus on the importance of family, if we are going to be a people who do good to all, but especially those in the household of believers, this is where it starts, actively choosing to walk this journey of faith with one another this year. And a challenge I want to say for all of us this morning, whether you're online or whether you're in the building, is to look around right now. Take a look and work out maybe those who have fallen behind a little bit in their walk with us and reach out this week. Send a text, give a phone call, write a letter, do something. Let's choose to walk together this year. Doing good to all means all doing good to all. It's not the responsibility of the pastors or the pastoral care team. It's the responsibility of every single one of us. Let's choose this year to walk this journey of faith together. The second thing I believe which teaches us about doing good to all, but especially those in the household of believers, is that we need to be a people who work with one another. Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That's an amazing truth right there, isn't it? Before you were even born, before you were even knit together in your mother's womb, God knew you. He knew everything about you. He knew how many hairs you'd have on your head. He knew the day that you were going to be born. And he knew the day that you are going to die. And before you were even born, he created good works for you to do. But the fact is, on our own, we cannot really accomplish that much. On our own, we cannot have the kind of impact that God is calling us to have. On our own, we cannot change this city, this nation, this world. But the household of believers, when we go at it together, when we work together, can accomplish the impossible in Jesus Christ. Do you know that this Christmas that we have just had was determined to be a white Christmas? Did you have fun, I wonder, this year building a snowman? Did you get stuck in because of the blizzards that you couldn't get out of your house? The answer, probably, particularly living in Plymouth, is probably no. Do you know how the Met Office determine a white Christmas? One snowflake, just one snowflake falling somewhere in the UK on the 25th of December means that the Met Office will declare a white 
Christmas. That's crazy, isn't it? What on earth can one snowflake do? The answer is absolutely nothing. But if thousands of snowflakes fall, and thousands upon thousands of snowflakes begin to stick together, they stop cars, they stop people moving, they make people stuck in their houses, they totally and utterly disrupt life. The simple fact is that God has prepared good works in advance for you and for me to do. But on our own, we can't really accomplish much. But together, we can change the world. If the church is going to be a body that does good to all, but especially those in the household of believers. This year, we cannot see church as this consumeristic place where we'll come if we get our needs met, where we'll come if they play the kind of music that I like, where we'll be part of if the room is warm. We can't see it as something which is here just to feed my needs. We have to ask the question, if this is the family of God that God has called me to be a part of, what is the role that God is calling me to play within this family. I know that some people struggle when they hear the challenge of service. And we'll be talking about it again in a couple of weeks' time in a bit more depth and about what it means. But when we do hear it, we need to understand that when the Bible talks about service, it talks about it in the context of a body. And the great thing about that analogy is that it reminds us that really every person has a part to play, but not every part is absolutely equal. Some parts of the body are highly energetic. They're on the go all the time. Some parts of the body are quiet and they're unseen. But each role in the body is vital for making the body work. So our prayer does not have to be, what are you calling Luke to do this year? What are you calling Zoe to do this year? What are you calling the kids team or the tech team to do this year? Our prayer is, God, what are you calling me to do? Is it a highly energetic role that you're calling me to? A prominent role where I'm going to have to give all the energy that I have? Or is it simply praying earnestly for the church? Each role that God calls us to is important. You have a part to play here in this congregation and this fellowship. Church, at the start of this year, what I want you to hear is that family matters. You matter. We need you. You need us. We're called to walk this journey together and we're called to play our part. So church, this year, let's commit to whatever God might have for each and every one of us. The third thing that I believe that we see in Scripture when we talk about doing good to all, but especially those in the household of faith, is that we're called to watch over each other. We read these words in Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You know, there is this notion, isn't there, sometimes, and I may have talked about it before, but there is this notion in, in the church that we must be a people who don't, judge. God is the judge and therefore we should just allow people to get on with their lives and live life how they want to live despite how it might be contrary to what God has for them. In actual fact I don't believe that is a biblical thing at all. There is a difference between judging and being judgmental. Jesus warns against a judgmental attitude and a judgmental spirit in Matthew chapter 7 where he says if you see a speck in your brother's eye make sure you take the log out of your own eye before you go and deal with that. But the thing is we all have blind spots we all have those points in our life which we don't really see and they have the potential to lead us away from God. And we need one another to help us work out what those are. And you know, one of the most loving things that you can ever do 
for each other is to lovingly and gently call out some of these things. Not to bring people down, but to build people up. You know, it's better a word spoken in love than words behind people's back which ultimately tears people down and doesn't lead them to drawing close to God once again. We read these words in Ecclesiastes 4. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Church, if we're going to flourish and thrive this year, we have to learn to watch out for one another, caring to confront things at times and not sweep things under the carpet but talk openly and honestly about some of those things which need to be talked about. Why? Because it's then and it's only then that we really begin to understand what genuine community, genuine biblical community was always meant to look like. A place where you and I could not only find a place to call home, but a place where we are made whole. Finally, I want to suggest that doing good to all, but especially those in the household of believers means we need to be a people who learn to weep together. 1 Corinthians 12, so that there should be no division in your body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. You know, I don't believe that as humans we were ever called to face crisis alone. It's why the mandate from the Garden of Eden was it's not good for man to be alone. We were meant to be there to help each other through the crisis that we face in life and the hard times and the difficulty which life continues to throw our way. And that is why that when the church gets it right, When we understand how much family matters, it speaks to a world which faces crisis after crisis after crisis on its own, that there is a God who loves them and cares for them. But the problem for us is that so often we are so concerned about putting on our Sunday bests. We're so worried about saying the right things theologically. We're so worried about making it look like we've got it all together that we miss the fundamentals. You know, if our church is going to be a church which in 2022 reaches out beyond these walls, then we have to be a church which practice what we preach within these walls. This, this year, let's commit, really commit to taking the masks down. And I'm not on about the COVID masks. Let's be a church which really learns to be real with one another. This year, let's be a church that when we say, I am not okay, we look to build one another up because the way we treat one another matters. It really matters. And it is the best witness that we can give to a world which is so desperate for family. I want to invite the band to come back up. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're in the room. And we're going to respond together in song right now. And I'd also like to respond in prayer as well. And I recognize that for some, 
maybe here in this room or online right now, as I said earlier, church has not been the most joyous place for you. Church has been full of heartache, separation and pain and rejection. And this morning, I want us to maybe start a time of healing together in this place as we go into this year, 2022, walking it together. And if for you this morning, church is or has been in the past a difficult place, whether this church or other churches that you've been part of, whether church has caused you to question your faith in God, I want to use this moment as a moment of healing. And as we sing, I want to invite you to come forward and just lay it at the altar, to lay it before God and say, here I am. Because this year, if we are going to be a church which moves forward together, it also means letting go of the past, allowing God to do a work in your life, a work of healing, that you might be made whole, that you might be able to trust again, you might be able to commit again. So as we worship now, Let's use this time of song worship to focus our hearts, to commit our hearts to God and all that he has for us this year. But if you want to receive prayer this morning for healing, for things that have gone on in the past, I want to invite you forward. I know it's a brave thing to do. And no one will ask you what it is unless you want to share. They'll simply lay a hand on your shoulder and just pray God's blessing of healing upon your life today. Let's pray together as the bands start to lead us in worship. Father God, we want to thank you for your church. And Lord God, we want to say sorry for the times where we have been the problem. Individually and personally, where a harsh word has turned someone away from you. A judgmental spirit and a judgmental attitude has meant that people don't feel that they can belong. We want to say sorry, Lord God, for the way that our pride at times has got in the way of how we have treated our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to say sorry, Lord God, today for the bad witness that as a church at times we have been. I'm not talking specifically about hope. I'm talking about your church worldwide. But as this family of believers comes together once again to commit ourselves this year to all that you have for us as family. Lord, we realise and we recognise just how much family matters. And I pray today, Lord God, that we will be a people who really commit to walking with you this year, but walking with one another. May we get to the end of 2022 strong, in our faith, but strong in our fellowship with one another as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.